0: For many years as chaplain, I have celebrated St. Francis and the Pet Therapy Dogs at Eastern Maine Medical Center in Bangor, Maine, and this year is no exception. To honor the approach of October 4th and the worldwide St. Francis Day blessing of the animals, last week's show was devoted to the souls of animals, our attempts to communicate with them, and the progress we are making through AI to learn the click language of sperm whales. Another sea being, especially friendly with humans down through history, has been the dolphin, and I have loved seeing them at times, swimming and leaping alongside boats I've been on, apparently just to say hello. Moreover, I have interviewed people on this show whose lives were saved by dolphins. Salvation by dolphin has been so common down through the centuries that by the second century, dolphins became a symbol for Christians and even Christ himself. With a ship's anchor to symbolize the cross for those of you who have discovered a wonderful tv series called the chosen concerning jesus and his disciples the opening portrays fish changing the direction of their lives also the lovely mosaic posted with this show comes from the old baptistry of the saint francis de sales catholic church in philadelphia So on this show, we will excerpt last year's interview with Carlos Vivos and the love he was given during the intertwined physical and spiritual salvation he experienced through the intervention of both a dolphin and Jesus. This harmony of nature and the supernatural was the message St. Francis of Assisi taught us more than 800 years ago. But sadly, I have to admit what brought dolphins to mind today were the recent reports of dolphins attacking people rather than saving them these reports have been coming primarily from japan with headlines such as this one dolphins terrorize and bite beachgoers in japan for the second year in a row this was reported on uh, july 20th of 2023 by the live science youtube channel the article reports dolphins attacked four people swimming in the sea off the coast of japan on july 16th leaving one man in his 60s with several broken ribs this is the second year in a row that dolphins have injured humans at beaches in fukai prefecture on the sea of japan coast last summer at least six people were bitten by a single animal thought to be an indo-pacific bottlenose dolphin both this year and last dolphins came right up to the edge of the water The man, whose rib splintered, had been swimming 16 feet from the shore when a dolphin rammed and bit him. Another man sustained bites on his left arm the same morning, and and the BBC reported that two more beachgoers were attacked later that day. Giovanni Bierzi, a zoologist and president of the non-profit organization Dolphin Biology Conservation in Italy, told Live Science in an email, With human swimmers, the dolphins may send acoustic and other warnings that the swimmers fail to detect or interpret correctly. In other words, the dolphins may first tell the swimmers to go away, and because the swimmers don't do that, an attack is ignored. Bierzi said an adult bottlenose dolphin could easily kill a swimmer if it really intended to do so. These attacks seem to be warnings rather than true attempts to do serious harm. Reading this, I first wondered if this hostility from dolphins might be a result of the radioactive water being dumped into the Pacific from the Fukushima nuclear meltdown. But the BBC has reported other dolphin attacks from as far away as Ireland. In the Republic of Ireland, two women were injured in the space of 10 days in 2013 by the same dolphin, including one who suffered from a broken hip, A year later, five swimmers had to be rescued off the Irish coast when a dolphin encircled them aggressively. Scientists consider dolphins to be remarkably intelligent. Could it be they have decided because of how we have been destroying the quality of their ocean world with our plastics and chemicals and heat that they now consider us an enemy? If so, this would be a fairly recent change of mind on their part and a sad day for dolphin-human relations. You'll know the depth of what I mean when you hear the following story from Carlos Vivas, a man who was not only saved by a dolphin, but whose life's direction was changed by the relationship of that dolphin to Carlos' experience of Jesus. On Memorial Day 2015, Carlos and his friends took a boat from Panama City to an island to spend the day on the beach. And here is Carlos Vivas to tell you about the remarkable, life-changing events that followed.
1: Around 4 p.m., my friend said, Carlos, we want to walk around the island before we leave. I said, OK, you have like 45 minutes to an hour to do that because the last, last boat is going to leave around five 5.30 to 6 p.m. So mm-hmm. hurry up. I, I take care of everything. So they left. I was by myself. And in that moment, it started getting really hot. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to jump. And I'm going to swim in front of my tent. So I'm going to be watching everything, right? So I jumped into the water. And uh, I'm not afraid to swim because since I was a child, my mom put me in sports. So my mom put me in karate, taekwondo, swimming classes, uh, piano classes. I was on the White Voices too, I mean, for 10 years with my sister. So um, I wasn't afraid to swim because I wasn't a swimming team. So I jumped into the water, I was swimming, everything was fine. And then out of the blue, this riptide came under the water. The thing was, I didn't know what a riptide was. I never heard it in my life. <laughs> I didn't know what it, what, it, what it means a riptide, right? So it was this whirlpool under the water that sucked me in. And the way that I explained to people, if you saw the movie, Finding Nemo, you can see that uh, this whirlpool take all the features and throw it far, far away from the beach. And um, this threw me like half a mile away from where I was. Wow. And I, I didn't understand what was happening. But when everything stopped that I pulled my head out of the water, the island was like half a mile away. So like, how in the world I'm here? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. Okay, I just calm down and I start swimming back. So I start swimming back like everything's going to be fine. And then I pull my head out of the water and I'm farther. I said, what? And I swim faster, faster, faster and farther. Why? Because the ocean is still pulling me in. And after 30 minutes fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, I started getting cramps on my arms, on my legs, and I knew that was the end right there. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what, God? I never in a million years thought that today is going to be my last day, but uh, there is no way I'm going to get get out of here. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for my mom. Thank you for my dad. Thank you for my brothers, my sisters. Thank you for everything you gave me, and I'm sorry if I did something wrong. In that moment, I heard a voice behind me that said, ask for help. A very soft voice. And I was like, what? And I look everywhere, and I just hear the wind and the water. And then a few minutes later, again, ask for help. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, who is here? Tell me. I've been here for like 35, 45 minutes. Can you help me, please? Nothing. Water and the wind. And then a few minutes later, I told you to ask for help. I was like, oh, my God, okay, okay, okay. So I started screaming, help, help. Even that I couldn't see, barely see the island, I started waving, help, help, help. At the end of the island, one of my friends from the group came out because he felt something was wrong. This guy that felt that something was wrong two years prior to this, a, a very good friend of him died here in Atlanta in the same situation. Oh. It's Lake Lanier. It's a, it's a huge lake here in Atlanta. And he said, when I saw you, Carlos, that you was there, I couldn't believe this was repeating again in my life. And this time I was making sure that you're not going to die, you know, because it's going to be double on me. But anyways, the first time that this happened to him, he just froze up. He couldn't do anything. This time he was just running and he was screaming, I'm going to call 911. Hold on, I'm going to call 911. He didn't call 911. He went back to the tent and grabbed some tubings, went to the top of the hill and dropped the tubing from the top of the hill. And then, the, of course, the wind was against him and the two were back in his face. <laughs> and I like, oh, my God, this is not working, Carlos. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So he run to the other side of the island, bring a lot of people to the top of the hill. Six people jump from the rocks, from the hill, and they're on the way to grab me, right? And I was like, oh, thank you. They're going to save me. They're going to save me. Come on, yes, come on. And when they were on the way to me, we hear a thunder like 10 minutes later. And when I look back, it was a thunderstorm coming behind me. So the sky started turning black and dark wow. and it started like kind of raining behind me and lightning behind me. And when I looked again to the island, everybody started turning around because who's going to risk their life for somebody they don't know, you know? And in that moment, I said, you know what? I don't blame them because, I mean, they have families and they don't want to die here for somebody they don't know. And in that moment, I said, you know what, God, if you want to take me, I'm ready. I just want to surrender. And in this moment, I always said to people, "How many times in your life you are fighting with your wife, with your kids, with your school, with your work, anything? And the only thing that you have to do is surrender and let God take over, because you cannot do it. You know, like you have cancer, or you have any other sickness, and you're fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, and just relax and let God." Take over, right? And that's what I did. And in that moment that I surrendered, a huge wave came and crushed me all the way under the water. So when I was under the water, I opened my eyes and I see far, far away this black shadow that's coming my way. So I thought it was a shark. So I covered my face like, oh my God. And I was just waiting for the bite. And then this huge thing came and grabbed me by my stomach and pushed me all the way up. To get air so when i get out of the water what i see first is the the tail so it was a huge dolphin so i grabbed the dolphin by the tail and i was like what a dolphin so i just started crying by the tail and crying like I look at the dolphin to the face like how do you say like what in the world like how this happened i cannot <laughs> believe this like wow so i just cried there for like 10 minutes and after 10 minutes a feature boat show up in front of me so the feature boat said son i can save you but I cannot get close to you uh, because the waves are so big, I'm going to hit you with my boat. So I'm going to throw you a rope. So he threw me a rope. I start pulling the rope all the way to the, the boat. And when I arrived to the boat, the dolphin is still next to me. So I grab the rope and I get like, <sighs> because I've been there for like 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And then the guy started screaming at me like, what are you doing? You need to get in now. I said, it's hard. Let me breathe, please. I've been here for 45 minutes. I said, I know you don't understand. My body is sinking. I said, your body is sinking. How? I said, yes. My boat have a pump, and the pump is stopped. And all the water from the ocean, the big waves are getting inside of the boat, and the whole boat is floated. So you need to hurry up. Go to the back. You're gonna see some steps, and you're gonna jump in. I said, okay, okay, okay. So I jump. Go to the back. The dolphin is still with me. I see the steps. I jump inside of the boat, and the water was like this. And I see the water everywhere. So, oh my God, sir, do you have any bucket to take the water out? No, I don't have any bucket and we don't have time for that. Please sit down here. So I sit down next to him and they said, we need to get out of here. So he started uh, turning the boat and getting out of that place. And then he started asking me questions. Like, are you okay? Are you fine? So yes, sir, I'm fine. Thank you, thank you. I said, okay, um, where's your family and friends? Everybody's there. What happened to you? I just jumped into the water and this riptide came and drove me all the way here. (laughs) And then he said, um, let me ask you another question. Where are you from? I said, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. What about you, sir? I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, too. What, what's, what part? I said, I'm from Duluth. And what about you? I'm from North Cross. And Duluth and North Cross and next to each other. And it's like, oh, and we're neighbors, too. This is, wow, in synchronicity right there. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And in that moment, he's like, oh, my God, look behind you, look behind you. And as soon as I look behind me, he started grabbing his camera, and he started filming behind me. And the dolphin was jumping behind the, the boat, following us all the way around the island. So when we get to the base side of the island, the guy said, okay, son, I have to leave you right here because I need to fix my boat. But if you want to see me again, every Memorial Day, I'm going to be here. Uh, you will see my boat and you will meet my family. Said, okay, sir, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for saving my life. In that moment, I jumped off the boat. Well, the water was low there. So I started walking to the shore. And as soon as he left, and I'm walking, something hit my leg. And when I look back, the dolphin was behind me. And I was like, what? The dolphin? Like, what this dolphin want with me? Like, what mm-hmm. in the world? And then I started walking, crying because it was, like, amazing experience, right? Yes. And then when I get to the chore, I go on my knees and I said, you know what, God? If you save me with this dolphin right here, it's because you have a purpose for my life. I'm gonna tell you something from today. Carlos died into the ocean. The person who's coming out of the water is gonna be you. You want Carlos? Was well, bring it on, take over Carlos. But I give you my life, I give you my soul, and I give you everything I have to you. And in that moment, the dolphin leave, and in that moment start raining and start thundering and lightning. And after that, everybody started running from the other side of the island. All my friends, the police arrived, everybody started hugging me, everybody started crying. My friends saying to me, like, oh, what are you going to say to your family that that you died here? And we didn't take care of you, and blah, blah, blah. I said, like, no, no, everything is fine. So then the police are like, what happened? So I start telling the story what happened. And they take me back to the San Andrew State Park. And I speak with the management, and I told them, like, look... um, you need here to put some red flags saying, like, it's dangerous, you know? You need to put a sign where it's a tie, so people don't go there. And basically, you need to be more careful, I mean, with the families that come here, you know? Today was me, but tomorrow could be a kid or an old lady, you know? Mm. So after I said that, everybody asked me, like, Carlos, where do you want to go now? So, like, I this was a miracle, so I want to go to a church and I say thanks to God. So we... Google a church next by, and it was a, a church by Fatima. It's a Catholic church, so we went next to it. When we arrived to the church, the church was closed. It was around seven, seven thirty or something like that. It was closed, but next to the church was a little chapel, and the chapel, it was like a cave, and inside of the cave had Virgin Mary, and it was full of candles. So everybody that came from the beach, uh, we did a huge circle, uh, in the garden in front of the Uh, the Virgin. And we pray. We hug each other, everybody in a circle. And we pray for like 20, 30 minutes. After we finished praying, um, one of my friends said, Carlos, what do you want to do now? I said, I just want to go back to the hotel, get something to eat, take a shower and go to sleep. So that's what I did. I went back to the hotel. I did that. And as soon as I put my, Mm -hmm. my face on my pillow, I have an epiphany. I didn't know what epiphany was. So it was an encounter with God. So in this moment, I close my eyes and I open my eyes again. I'm on the third floor of a carnival cruise grabbing the handrails and looking in front of me is the blue ocean, blue skies. Everything is beautiful. But at the end of the ocean, I see a big tsunami rising and coming my way. And in that moment, I said, oh, my God, I'm going to die here. So I covered my face and I said, waiting for the impact, I'm just waiting for the impact. 20, 30 minutes past, nothing happened. And then somebody come behind me and touched my back and said, Carlos. Open your eyes and look at me. I said, like, no, no, no. We're about to die. What are you saying? Like, look, look, tsunami tsunami's coming. And they said, Carlos, you're never going to die with me. I said, like, who are you? I said, look at me. So I pulled my hands out of my face and I looked back and guess who it was? It was In my heart, I knew it was Jesus. He was taller than me. He had with a white robe. I couldn't see his face. It was, was light coming from his face. And he said to me, Carlos, just relax. Close your eyes. And when I closed my eyes, he hugged me from behind. And as soon as he hugged me from behind, he said, 10 seconds later, he said, now open your eyes. So I opened my eyes. And as soon as that happened, in front of me, I was in heaven. And when I see where I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, this is heaven. Like, Jesus, no, no, no. I cannot die right now. I have a lot to do. Can you bring me back, please? And he said, Carlos, no, you're not dead right now. You make a promise to me, and you need to fulfill this promise. And welcome to heaven. From today, you're part of me and part of all these people right here. From today, you start walking with me and walking with all of them. Do you have any questions? I said, like, yeah, I have a question. Where all these people come from? There were millions of people dressing white robes in heaven. And he said, well, they're coming from all over the world. And then I said, I have another question. When you come to heaven, what is the true religion here? I said, in heaven, there is no religion. When you come here, the only thing that you're gonna find is love. Love is the most powerful force in the universe, and that's what I'm gonna unite the whole humanity in one again. Uh, do you have any other questions? So, like, well, no. Say, so, okay, let's do a life review. <laughs> so he hugged me, and we start walking in heaven, and he started doing my last review, life review. And in my life review, I just wanna tell you a little quick. Um, is just past images of your life on the moments that you change another people's life, all the good things that you did, all the things that people feel bad, whatever you did to them. So in that moment, you are in a high elevated con- conscious, like you know that you did wrong, you know? And in that moment, you know, you feel like, oh my God, I did that and I did the other thing. But you're going to feel good because you you know that you did a lot of good stuff, too. So he just wanted to show me that. And after he showed me all that, he said, OK, Carlos, it's time for you to go back and tell the people what happened here. So he sent me back. Next morning, I wake up and say, oh, what a crazy dream was that, right? And then Monday, I go back to Atlanta. I go to my office. I tell my friends there because I've been almost working 20 years in my company. All the managers, I'm a quality assurance manager, and I have another managers in front of me. I say, guys, guess what happened this week? And a dolphin saved me, and everybody's like, yeah, right, a dolphin saved you. And then behind me, I heard a voice that said, "I believe you," and I look like who? So when I look back, it was my boss? And said, "Oh, why do you believe me and they don't believe me?" I said, "Well, all of them, they're atheists. I'm a Christian." Number two, I want you to go on Google and Google how many. Dolphins have saved humans through history, and then I Google it, and dolphins have saved a lot of people through history. I said, "Wow, I didn't know that." Then he said, "Now Google how many dolphins get killed in the other side of the world every year, and they still saving people." And then I Google mm-hmm. it, more than one hundred dolphins get killed every year.
0: 100,000. A hundred thousand. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, but they're saving us, and we're killing them. Yeah.
1: That's what my boss said to me. He said, like, look, they're still being so honest and pure. They're still saving us, you know, even though we're still killing them. And then he said, now Google, how many people die in Florida by tides?" So I Googled more than 100 people die every year. It's the silent killer. And then he said, now the last one, Google, what is the meaning of the dolphin for Christians? I said, like, what? So I Googled what is the meaning of dolphin for Christian and is the hope? For eternal life the dolphin represents jesus thousands of years ago in rome in italy they used to put on the catacombs uh dolphins around uh everywhere in, in rome because the dolphin represent the angels that take the souls to heaven so it was like like angels going to heaven you know but who would have thought that dolphins were doing that you know i mean I was like, wow, that's amazing. So that happened on Monday. On Wednesday, my boss sent me to a customer house because one of my employees broke a lamp in the basement. When I get to the customer house, getting a lamp in the Stone Mountain area, it was an old lady. She was cooking some pasta. And she said, Carlos, I'm busy in the, in the kitchen. Could you do me a favor? Go to the basement, go to the last room. At the end, you're going to turn the light and you will see a gold lamp in the corner. I said, sure. So I go downstairs downstairs. I walked to the last room, turned the light. I see the broken lamp on a corner, but next to the lamp is a huge painting on the wall. And guess what it was? The same scene that I was when I was with Jesus in heaven. So it was heaven, hundreds of people, thousands of people in the background, Jesus in the middle. And below Jesus was the ocean, and on, in the ocean were the dolphins. And I was like, What?
0: Whoa. So this was
1: very, very <laughs> overwhelming for me. It was like, how in the world, this lady have in the basement, this painting? So I started crying. And the lady, Carlos, what's going on? Are you okay? Do you fell or something? Like, let me see what's going on. So she ran downstairs. Carlos, what happened? I said, like, excuse me, ma'am, but I'm sorry to ask you this, but where do you get this painting? This is impossible. I said, what are you talking about, Carlos? I said, like, I was there three days ago, <laughs> and now you have this painting in your basement, like what in the world? And then she said, well, a friend of my family came here three years ago and uh, with a big canvas and he did that painting. And we don't have any other space in my house to put that painting because it's huge, as you can see. Uh, and we put it right here at the end of the basement, but you can take pictures if you want. So I took some pictures and that was on Wednesday. On Thursday, I called my best friend. that He lived in an area here in Atlantis called Woodstock. It was one hour away from my house. And when I go to his house on Sunday, um, I, I spoke with him on the phone before I go to his house. I'm like, bro, this is what happened. And he's like, Carlos, you need to go to church. This is a miracle. This is a testimony. You need to tell people. It's like, are you kidding me? I will never say this story to anybody. I mean, who's gonna believe this? That you no, 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 no? Okay. And it's like, Carlos, come on, you need to do it. Well, he was over an hour on the phone with me, and he finally convinced me, right? On Sunday, I go to his house. I took breakfast with his wife and him. I say, "What what church do you want to go?" so "Like any church, because Jesus told me that is love. So whatever you choose, whatever you we can go." I said, "Okay, let's Google the, the closest church to home." So we Google the church, and the church that came first was called mm-hmm. St. Michael the Archangel, Worcester. So we go to this church, and when we arrived there, there was hundreds of cars outside. People were celebrating, so there was music. There was balloons everywhere. And we parted, and there was a lady next to us and said, excuse me, ma'am, what's going on here today? I said, well, this used to be a small church, but today they're inaugurating this huge church. It's like a cathedral. And you guys just came on time to see the whole celebration, that the inauguration of this cathedral. I said, okay, wow. So we saw the whole inauguration, and at the end, I, me and my friends, we speak with the priest and tell them that we have a testimony. And the priest said, yeah, okay, you can go to the stage and, and tell the testimony. So, okay. So, for the first time, I go to the stage, grab the microphone for, I don't know, hundreds people there. And I start telling my story. And when I start telling my story, something happened. In the middle of my story, a 17-year-old raised her hand and said, excuse me, sir, excuse me. And I said, yes. I said i want to ask you a question Said sure um i just want to ask you how jesus was with you and said jesus was behind me while he was dressing he was dressed in a white robe um what uh where you were and what was in front of him why and she said i have to show you something so she she grabbed the hair put the hair in front of her she turned around and behind her on the chair she have a printing on her back uh, an image of jesus is an image by Thomas Black. Chair It's called forgiveness. Um, I don't have the painting right here. but Like I said before, I have to run out of my house.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: but um, yeah, it was exactly the same image uh, that I saw on my on my dream, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. So everybody in church, like, oh my god, you guys planned this. I was like, no, I don't know her. This is the first time that I see this painting. Anyways, the service end, I go back home and I Google this image and I put in the Google, I put uh, Jesus hugging a guy pictures. So Google bring me a bunch of pictures. And when I see the picture, I click on the picture and it was painted by a famous painter called Thomas Black Chair. And guess what? Thomas Black Chair in the year 1992, he started doing this painting and he started doing fasting for two weeks asking God to let him paint the image of Jesus right and after two weeks of uh not drink not eating just drinking water and praying he started doing the painting and when he's half of the painting he said the Holy Spirit showed up and said Thomas it's a beautiful painting but now you have to write a book and you need to explain people what is the meaning of this painting so Thomas said, what am I going to explain to people? I said, well, everything that is on the painting is the darkness that we all have is in the back. The light that we all have is in the front. The love that Jesus has for us and everything else, the compassion that Jesus has for us and everything. So he wrote the book and the name of the book is called Forgiveness. And that's the end of my story. So when I was in heaven, before I came down, Jesus told me, Carlos, you need to tell people in order for everybody to continue living in this world on peace they're gonna to have to forgive. Why? They need to forgive three people. Number one, they need to forgive their parents. Why their parents? Because it doesn't matter if they abandoned you, if they hit you, if they didn't like you, if they abuse you, they did the best they could to give you the best you have. Number two, you need to forgive your inner child. Why your inner child? Whatever happened in your childhood, you was a baby. Nobody could defend you. You couldn't run anywhere. I mean, you was, was afraid. So it's not the baby's fault. So it's time to grab the hands of this little baby that is inside of you and say, you know what, from this moment, everything is going to be fine and just give it out and keep it with you. And number three, you need to forgive all the people that harm you in your life. Why? When you forgive your parents, you forgive your inner child and you forgive all the people that harm you in your life. You're not forgiving them. You're forgiving yourself. From that moment, you open your heart And you let go all the hate, all the resentment, and all the poison that's been eating you for years inside of you. In that moment, it's like you have a string with a balloon, and you cut the string, and you're free. And from that moment, that's when Jesus told me, that's when you start living in freedom. You start living your purpose. And Jesus told me, do you know what is the biggest purpose in life? I said, no, Jesus, what is the biggest purpose? Everybody's looking for a purpose. But the biggest purpose is called service. Why service? Because when you die, you don't want to take your car, your Bitcoin, your house, your mother, nothing. When you die, you're gonna take everything that you do in this world. How many people do you help? How many lives do you change? How many people do you give shelter? How many people do you give food? How many lives do you change in this world, you know? Um, like Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Princess Diana. I mean, they did service and their legacy continued until today. So the end of my story is asking people, what are you doing today to leave a legacy of love, to leave a legacy that's going to even continue living after you go after life? You know, Mm -hmm. What is going to be your blueprint for this world that you was here and you did something for others here? And that's my story.
0: All I want to add to Carlo's story is an extension of his question and what St. Francis would ask us today. What will we do to help the dolphins, to ensure their salvation and the salvation of all the other sea life consciousness that depends on clean ocean waters? It's time to return the love we've been shown by dolphins down through the centuries by cleaning up our garbage in their ocean world. To hear the complete interview with Carlos, go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, and look for our show dated October 3rd, 2022. My thanks once again to Carlos Vivas, and be sure to look for his book, Help From Heaven, Miracles Happen When You Believe, available on Amazon. And if you'd like to hear this show again, or any of our more than 500 archived, ad-free NDE interviews, Go to TalkZone's NDE Radio site and hit the past Shows button, or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying, once again, thanks for listening.